0: I'm in
1: the middle. Hey, hey, it's Pip Ray. and welcome to the Elements of Empowerment podcast. Today I am shining a light on confidence, what it looks like, what it isn't, how to build it, maintain it and protect it, whether it's from those incidental comments that chip away at it or the life-sucking events that come in like a wrecking ball. Now, to give you some context, this podcast is based on my radio show, The Hour to Empower, where I played 60 minutes of music with a particular theme based on the values and virtues of being human. It was a journey that I had personally taken to help me find myself and identify the attributes, behaviours and characteristics in others that I really admired. In that hour, I shared the basic and complex issues of each element of empowerment that impacted on our emotional state, with the hope that listeners would be motivated to reflect on how they showed up. Now, they would send me messages of support as they heard the songs from every era that would resonate. And I know myself that that is the power of music and lyrics and the talent of artists that I really do appreciate more now as I get older. Over the past 12 months since my show finished in a fairly spectacular fashion after a very personal attack, I've been rebuilding my confidence to go back on air. Something I've never really struggled with projecting, but often felt. In fact, my confidence has often been perceived as arrogance, cocky, even aggressive. On the other hand, it has been admired and valued by some, even inspiring them to be who they really want to be. But most of the time, I'm spending the days of my life just like you, finding techniques and strategies that build confidence, protect it, and maintain it. I've been working with some incredible creatives on this project, so if you hang around, I've got some great products and a special bonus that I'll add to your empowerment toolbox. I think being confident is being able to communicate with a calm, assertive kindness. And it's the skill that I admire most about the people in my world. And for me, this is the goal living my life in alignment, inspiring others to make better choices that make them happy and support my family and friends during this experience. As a self-confessed overachiever, reformed perfectionist and curious learner, I have held back on my potential because of a lack of confidence. But today marks the day that I have left the labels behind and embraced the positives. This is something that I have seen in people that I've interviewed for this series. You know, they showed up with the knowledge and skill that they had. They step forward into the unknown. They do things that they have never done before without that knowledge, just to test their capacity. They try something different just to be braver than they were the day before. And they are okay with whatever the outcome is. To start, I just want to reinforce that confidence is something that you create from within by believing in who you are, and it grows from that style of communication you use and the attitude you adopt and that resilience that you build during those setbacks. It's not walking into a room and thinking that you're better than everyone else. It's walking in and not having to compare yourself to anyone at all. Confidence is being and doing with boundaries that protect your self-worth. And in this episode, you'll hear from my good friend, Caramea. who suffered the debilitating effects of an illness called Ramsey-Hunt disease and facial palsy. It left her feeling physically exhausted and emotionally drained after the paralysis stole her trademark smile. Now, I also speak with Australia's Barefoot blogger, Stephanie, a wellness advocate with an appreciation for life's journey. In this interview, she is able to articulate just how fragile confidence is, what it feels like, looks like, and the strategies she's used over her life during the struggle to find herself and to get out of relationships that stripped her of her own self-worth. She shares how the invisible wounds of verbal abuse and the shame of a violent relationship forced her to take responsibility of the life choices she had made. And I have an update on her amazing year. Now, as I mentioned, I never really had an issue projecting confidence. Much of it is attributed to my training and having to be that leader in crisis. I also think being the firstborn has expectations and society is definitely a contributor. But the biggest kick to my confidence is parenting. And I'm sure that you'd agree. The challenge of raising another human from scratch to be an independent person who contributes positively to society with a healthy self-esteem is often the wrecking ball of my own confidence especially because I'm still finding out things that I don't know about and they're starting to leave home. Parenting is this time bomb that starts a clock that I am constantly racing against but what it did teach me about confidence is that I need to be confident that I know all that I know in the moment and when I know more I can do better. taking on opinions of others and confusing the value of who you are with what you did or do that doesn't help and the physical pain or a change in capacity thinking that you should be in a place where you'd expect yourself to be despite illness challenge or injury isn't productive but finally it's about comparing yourself to others what I've come to know as the thief of joy There's a real freedom that comes when you realise there is no competition. Now, the common theme here is me, me judging me. I am my worst critic and I can do all these amazing things, but that one thing that I didn't do well that you don't even know about plays havoc with my self-belief. A good friend of mine, Jules O'Neill, she's an expert in emotional wellness, once told me, whilst others have the right to an opinion, It's only the truth if you believe it. And a mutual friend of ours, Elizabeth, who is also an energy mentor, reminded me that a positive attitude is the only key you need to open the door of opportunity. Now, you're probably wondering why I started with these statements, but it has a lot to do with what has formed a big part of my research around the universal issue of self-worth and how it's directly correlated with our levels of confidence. For me, recognizing my ability, Understanding my capacity and believing in my potential have always played a part in building and maintaining confidence. And the day that I worked out that I didn't need approval from someone else, that external validation didn't take away my doubts, and that what I thought about me was more important than what others thought was the day that I built strong foundations of believing and trusting in myself. Now, I'm not saying that that hasn't been tested, actually, it's been bulldozed a number of times. To but it's the ability to rebuild with the strategies and the tools that you'll hear about from Karamea and Stephanie, that I hope you can identify with, you can use and share. Self-talk and self-care are the core elements of having high levels of self-esteem and confidence. And I think this is a really great segue to my interview with Karamea, where she shares the details of her life-threatening health event. It was a blow to her capacity and ability. It took away who she had become, but it was her communication and language that was crucial to her
0: recovery. Okay, so I had um, been going to the gym with my partner and we had started this running club as part of the gym membership. So we went on our run club once a week, which was a Saturday, and We went on this run and on that actual run, we did sprint training. So, um, and that particular morning, I actually felt like I was Kathy Freeman. I just sprinted up a hill and I've never ran so fast in all my life. And I got the second adrenaline rush. I didn't feel right. And I just knew that I, I kind of felt like I was having a stroke and I needed help. So I actually almost collapsed and said, just cried out, I need help. And straight away, Darren looked at me and my eye wasn't closing. It was blinking at a really slow rate. And then I had a slurred speech and they tested me, you know, said, what's your name? All this sort of stuff. And then we went back to the gym and Darren took me to the hospital what I didn't know was it wasn't just Bell's palsy, but it was the Bell's palsy was secondary and it was from what's called Ramsey Hunt syndrome. And that's where you have shingles in your ear, which affects your seventh cranial nerve of your brain, which motorizes your facial movements. So I was basically paralyzed on half, one half of my face, which is called Bell's palsy. But when it's come from Ramsey-Hunt syndrome, it's actually called facial palsy, which which is identical anyway. It's just the medical terms they like to use differently. So then it all began from there. They took a biopsy from my ear and they soon sent me home saying I've got Bell's palsy. But what I wasn't realizing at the time was I was so focused on the Bell's palsy that I'd forgotten what the cause of it was, which was the Ramsey-Hunt. So I was dealing with two illnesses. However, um, it took me about eight weeks for my face to start moving again. And that was through 16 sessions of acupuncture, which was I would go twice a week for eight weeks. Um, I lost t- my taste buds for 16 weeks. I had a slowed speech. I had to eat baby mashed foods because I couldn't chew on that side. I had to learn basically how to eat again. Um, And, yeah, it was just what I thought was the doctors telling me that, oh, you'll be, you know, back to work in two weeks. was not that at all. It ended up being longer than I thought. And I want to take you back to before that. What sort of a person were you? Like who were you before this? Wow, that's funny you say that because (laughs) – um, while during my recovery, Darren had uploaded a YouTube video of myself called "My Gorgeous Girlfriend, Karamir Marshall," and he did that to help with my recovery, which was showing who I used to be. And out of that was I was very adventurous. My smile was beautiful. It was a smile that I took for granted. I I was just so bubbly. Um, I did so many things in life that. I'd really forgotten that I'd done all of those things and I'd travelled and we'd gone on day trips or gone away for weekends and we'd had so much fun and it all showed in this YouTube clip. And I cried when I watched it. I cried so hard because I could not believe that that was actually me. I'd actually forgotten that that's who I was. So it was really hard to watch it, but it was also inspiring to know that, hey, look what I took for granted I didn't know I was that cool.
1: <laughs> so, you now I you can know? see even now you've got tears. I'm yeah. you've got tears I know. and it's just Yeah, we're welling up. <laughs> yeah, we are. And um, and to know that you were that person, like what what was the person after that the Bill Corsy so, and Ramsey Hun like? Yeah. How different was that person?
0: I was I felt very alone. I felt weak. I felt very, very ugly because my smile was so crooked. And I felt like I was basically a baby again. Um, because um, unfortunately, there's not a lot of um, doctors that are educated enough in Ramsey Hunt, I believe. You know, um, I had just lost so much confidence. I was even too scared to go outside and go to the letterbox um, and it actually crept up on me, um, the lack of confidence. And it wasn't until one day, like thing, little things like I had gone to go to, I was going to my, um, acupuncturist and I caught a bus this particular day to get there. Um, and when I was on the bus, I sat next to a person And I couldn't bring myself to even just say hi, sitting next to them, whereas that's what I used to be like before. And I just, it was like, I was just so afraid and I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of what people would think. I was afraid to smile because when I did smile, it was the crooked smile. Uh, I was afraid to ask for help initially because nobody understood me. They weren't going through what I was going through. And the doctors didn't know and I finally met a third doctor that I felt comfortable with and it was actually me educating her and that's how I knew and she was she was very glad to have me as a patient because I was teaching her what it's like.
1: Because mm. I, wanted, I wanted to explore that whole, the physical limitations.
0: Okay, well... Because and of, and how that impacts on your confidence? Because yes, it does. It yeah. certainly does. I had um, developed chronic fatigue, and so that knocked me back. So basically, your body is like a hundred-year-old person, but mentally you're not. So you're fighting your own physical body against your brain. That can that would be frustrating. It, it was very frustrating. There were times where I could I, I live close by to the um, shops. And I would walk to the shops and I would walk five steps and I would have to stop and breathe because I was so exhausted. And then I'll just continue on five steps again and stop. I'd have to sit in the street near the shops on the bench seats and just have a little rest until I could find myself to go into the supermarket. I would then get about, I could only carry three items of groceries in my bag because it was too heavy. And then I'd have to go home. So lucky that the total walk was three minutes, but I would take about 15 minutes to get home.
1: We're not laughing about it now, but it's that coping mechanism. It It is. That's not you. That's right. And and that's
0: when you know you're really broken because Mm -hmm. physically you can't do it. And the thing is what crosses your mind, you don't think that it's ever going to get better. You think that you're stuck like that forever. You think when you don't have control over your body functions as in the paralysis on your face, you're really scared because you think, am I going to be like this forever? Mm. And my boys would question me, mum, how long is this going to take? And when I told them, Oh, two weeks, maybe a month, maybe eight weeks at the most, um, you know, that, and I said, maybe for some it's six months or even years, because it takes a long time for those nerves to regrow for your body um, to, you know, get rid of the paralysis and be back to normal function.
1: So tell me what you did do to, you know, to one, to get physically stronger and mentally, you know,
0: well, stronger. Yeah, well, I went to so a psychologist and I did 10 sessions in the first year and the second year I did another 10. Um, a lot of people... Will go to psychologists and they think that they're not helping them, but they actually are. You just gotta give them the chance. You actually got to follow through and do those ten sessions before you're really understanding and you're, you know, tearing, you know, peeling that onion back and finding the layers of who you are and what you were and what you need to do and how to control what your mind tells you. Cause your brain is very powerful and it can take over. And throughout my process, I got depressed. Mm. Um, I had bad anxiety. I would have panic attacks. But through this, I went to my psychologist and between acupuncture and the psychologist, um, just more relaxing at home and not worried about what next week is going to be like. I would just take one day at a time because a week was too overwhelming.
1: One of the things I I love to explore in these conversations is how fragile self worth is. Like, what is it that you, what's changed for you about valuing yourself now compared to who you used to be?
0: Yeah. Well, I never used to respect myself. I used to just be me and I would just go about life the way I was. I soon learned that I am a person, I'm a really important person. And um, a lot of people care about me. We do. They think that I'm a really good friend or a mum or a partner um, or an auntie. And it wasn't till I was sick that I realised that I am a great person. So with that, I knew that only I could heal myself, even though others tried to help. Sometimes I felt like they were in my way or they weren't helping me at all. They were actually making it worse for me. So that's why I decided to just take control, knowing it's only me that can fix myself. So that's when I started, you know, seeking help, more help. And clean eating, the psychologist, I went back to Pilates. And even though I couldn't, even though I'd fall asleep in Pilates class, it didn't matter. I at least got to the class. And I did some of it and I'd already told my teacher that, you know, of my chronic fatigue, I may go go to sleep and she was fine with it and she understood. She knew just to leave me. And there was actually another guy in the class that had chronic fatigue from another illness and he would fall asleep more than I would in the class. So I felt very comfortable. So I started with that and I would have setbacks. I would go and where I thought I'd be fine as soon as I'd finish the class, I would go home and I'd have to go to sleep. That's what chronic fatigue does to you. I'd be lucky to get to the shower from my bedroom, the ensuite. I'd get to the shower, I'd turn the tap on and I didn't have enough enough strength to actually wash my body. So I'd have to get back out and go back to bed and forget about it.
1: So, what were some of the other impacts? Like, you know, I mean, can you drive? Can you
0: well, with the go yeah, out? Like, yeah, you, you can still do things. Work, obviously. <laughs> no, you can't work. Well, for some people, they can, but because I was dealing with two illnesses, it's a bit different. So, I, I had nine months off work. I didn't expect to. Um, I thought maybe those two weeks, like the doctor had said. And then, it, it, the realization was no, this isn't going to be a quick recovery. Had it only been Bell's palsy, it would have been different. It would have just been, I don't know, at a guess, we all recover differently and at different times. Um, but it would have been maybe eight to twelve weeks recovery. Mm. Some people don't recover at all, and when your nerves are regrowing, they, you can have what's called miswiring. So the miswiring will um, obviously be, be miswiring. And so I'm left with um, having tear ducts all the time, which they call crocodile tears. So if I eat, as soon as I chew, my eye will start crying. Or if it's like cold or um, it'll it'll cry like every day. So that I'm just grateful to be, you know, just have that really. So I want to ask you then,
1: when was it that you realised that you'd recovered? Like what was that feeling?
0: Uh, That was when I stopped being really exhausted and I could actually go and do exercise without being tired. Um, But it took many years, unfortunately. It took about a good three to four years um, with the chronic fatigue. On top of, like, in the background of what I was already dealing with. Because even though you have facial palsy or Bell's palsy, the outside looks back to normal. Yes, it does for some. But inside, you've got so much pain going on. You've got pain of those nerves underneath. You've got it goes down to your shoulder, down to your back, um, your neck. Um, You still got to learn, you know, you still got to. I had to wear an eye patch. And I wasn't allowed to drive because that eye patch had to hold my eye down closed because it would want to stay open. Yeah, some people get weights. They have special weights that they put on their eyelids to actually keep their eyes closed. I had to have patches and then the proper eye patch to keep it closed. So since recovery then,
1: like, what have you been able to do?
0: Well, since recovery... I've come a long way. (laughs) I've actually educated myself and others about this illness. Um, I've, you know, I I seeked medical resources to help myself as well, as well as others. Um, I had patients with no expectations, so that helped me through. I trusted myself um, in that one day I will recover Um, I started a Facebook page called um, Bell's Palsy from my side and I've helped people like in America, in New Zealand, around Australia and even people in the Sutherland Shire um, with the questions that they had on my page so I've been able to help them as well and that was my aim. Um, because I felt so alone, like you feel so alone and isolated that, you know, no one else understands what you're going through. Um, and there's nowhere, like I, I just, um, did, looked at YouTube videos. I looked at, um, Facebook pages and support groups, um, to help me. And then that's what inspired me to do my own page, my story, my way, um, from my own experiences. Um, I've now got confidence, with poise, of course, <laughs> not too overly confident, um, but I've done a lot since then. So you know, I've modelled in the um, at the Hilton Sydney and High Hotel fabulously. So I might have. yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, we have um, at for over six thousand guests. So that was a big thing for me. Mm. I've never done that before. Um, I did a video for a local business, um, which was fun. Um, so I And mean, these I have, are really visible acts that's as right, well, so you're, exactly. right, you're putting yourself right like, out there Exactly, I'm exposing myself to the public with my face now yeah. um, I've been in a photo ad campaign uh, for the last eight weeks for a law firm For Watkins Tapsell Solicitors in the Sutherland Shire and, um, Page eight, isn't it? Uh, Actually, it is page this week. Um, I think it's page 19. (laughs) Um, I recently did a photo shoot for Breast Cancer Awareness. Um, My photo will go into an online book um, with 49 other women um, that have either been through breast cancer or, um, you know, some, you know, had troubles with their health during their life. Um, And so... um, I've also joined a dance um, club. Tell me more about that because. Uh, Well, at the moment we've had to put it on hold. I know I did invite you, but anyway, um, we'll have to do that again. So we've stopped for now because of COVID. Um, But yeah, so that's been, you know, I may not be the most flexible dancer in the class, but at least they make me feel welcome and comfortable and I'm happy doing it. And that's the main thing for me. Uh, say once or twice a year I will model for a Australian business clothing company um, at different venues, so I do that for them. Up and coming, I have a new modelling show in Queensland to do, so I'm looking forward to that, obviously, when we're allowed to travel again. Yeah. Um and everything's safe to do so. So So, proud of you. Yeah, thank you. You've come a long way, but it's taken a long time. And the best advice that I could give people is patience plays a big key Mm.
1: to it. And optimism. I think you have demonstrated a real level of optimism in your recovery. Yeah. So now you've got this bright future. What are some of the mantras that continue to give you the confidence to keep moving forward?
0: Uh, Well, that would be looking after my own body. I only get one body and it's smarter than me. Another thing, um, who would have thought that someone that once had a crooked smile is now well exposed publicly? Mm. And, And I'm very thankful for that. I didn't plan for these things to be, these opportunities to come to me, but they just did. And instead of saying no, I now say yes. I love that one.
1: Well, I'm saying yes to you. And uh, this is my gorgeous friend, Karamia Marshall. You can find her on Facebook. Um, she's She's got so much information on there about, um, you know, just how to cope really, isn't it? Yeah, like, it And is. stay well, optimistic and be that, confident.
0: That's right. It's, that it's, is a
1: recovery path.
0: Yeah, it's telling my true story of what I went through and sharing those with others. Well, thank you for sharing it with that's us. That's okay. Thank you for having me. It's been great. It's been great. What stood
1: out for me in that interview was the uncertainty, doubts and fears Karamea had after she was diagnosed. She had this feeling of knowing without actually having the knowledge, but the confidence and optimism to move forward. And not only has she shone a light on the problem, but she's also provided hope and solutions for others. And her advocacy reminds us not to judge the story of a life based on the chapter you walk into, because even when you think you know, you don't. Now, in my own experience, low levels of confidence have felt like I wasn't doing or being enough. It's the negative thoughts about myself after rejection or being dismissed. It was not meeting the expectations or assumptions of others who freely offered their opinion or when I didn't believe in what I was talking about. The harshest blows were sometimes being told that what I was saying was ridiculous or not even true. And I completely understand that when you are not getting that validation or reassurance, Doubts start to creep in. But when I really got an understanding of how my own thinking of what I thought others were thinking was sabotaging my confidence, I started to see how I enabled and allowed that to happen. So I feel it's really important to recognize when it's you talking yourself down or if you're allowing others to influence your level of confidence. Being too much, shining bright, rejection, or thinking you aren't enough are like the match that starts the wildfire, spiraling out of control and not in a good way. So understanding communication styles and language, especially for me, both verbal and body, has been absolutely key to building and maintaining confidence. And as we cycle through these other elements of empowerment in this series, you'll see how each one is like a piece in the puzzle in becoming the person you want to be and how sometimes you may need to work on them again and again as life's challenges pop up. So what I've found is that being confident is being scared and doing it anyway with this knowing certainty that you're going to be okay. And yet it's not always knowing but having that willingness to try. And finally, maybe respecting others and their opinions but standing up for what you believe in and speaking with that calm, assertive kindness. Now I briefly touched on what low levels of confidence look and feels like but I also think it's important to know what having confidence does look and feel like. It's a hard measure when you don't have that top score. There's no real smiley face spectrum to gauge. So when I was interviewing people, I would always ask them this question, what does it look and feel like to be confident? And these were some of the great answers that really articulated what that meant. The first one is looking ahead and setting short and long range goals that are reasonable and attainable. The second was avoiding procrastination as a result of perfectionism and the ability to push forward and accomplish tasks. The third was accepting one's weaknesses and a lack of skills and able to hear and benefit from constructive feedback and criticism. And number four was bouncing back after setbacks and moving forward with determination. Number five would have to be my favourite. It's trusting one's own ideas, perceptions and opinions and having the courage to voice one's feelings and beliefs. Number six is making timely and well-considered and thoughtful decisions. Number seven, displaying good social skills and the ability to get along well with others. And finally, having a history of more successes and failures and striving to achieve goals even in difficult times. Now, when I had to sum that up, I came across this term and I just love it. Everything is figure outable. And this is what you'll hear from Stephanie, the barefoot blogger from Cronulla. It means every challenge has a solution. It just might not be what you thought it was. And it reflects this real positive attitude of accepting things as they play out. You see, earlier this year, I stumbled across her Instagram page and found her blog. The blog that I read was called Give Me Your Digits. And what stood out for me was her perspective on self worth and how it continues to lie in this measured numbers or labels and expectations of a social construct that actually work towards eroding our sense of self, autonomy, and the confidence in our ability to reach our potential. Her life without numbers analysis made me think about the shift from these smart goals to vision boards and the difference it has on who we think we are. So hey, Stev, thank you for joining me on the podcast.
2: Thank you Pip it's great to be here.
1: Cool and today we're talking about confidence so I really wanted to get inside your head because I've been reading some of your blogs and you've just got such a great positive vibe. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Tell me me what it is that you think confidence is. What What does it look like? (laughs) What does
2: it look like to me? Okay so this will be from my perspective so for me It's been a really long journey, so not a destination but an ongoing thing and it starts with self-love. It starts and ends with it. So lots of other factors come into it but you can't be successful, you can't be confident and you can't have healthy relationships without starting with self-love. So, you know, going through those bad relationships, going through toxic friendships, things that weren't working for you, Learning who you were, eliminating the bad things, and just treating yourself with real love is where you learn your worth, I think. But you know what? I was thinking this this morning. I think what people have that misconception that being confident means that you feel comfortable all the time. And I think it's okay to be uncomfortable. So I think, and it's funny, I was talking about it last night with my partner. And then this morning I was listening to my girl crush, Brene Brown, and she actually talked about the exact same thing that if you're not uncomfortable, you're probably not doing anything new. Anytime I, since I was a kid, anytime I do something new, I'm always nervous, always uncomfortable. But if you're not doing those new things, you're not pushing yourself. So you're not learning, you're not growing, and that's where you seem to find yourself. So being Mm. uncomfortable is okay. Being scared is, and that's that vulnerability that she talks about, being scared is okay. But when you push through it, when you come out on the other side, you feel so proud of yourself and, and you learn something about yourself. And I think, to me, having confidence in your abilities but still being nervous or still being afraid, that's okay.
1: Yeah. It's like pushing the boundaries for your potential, like yes. who you can be. Yeah. just And how, how would that? you know
2: what that is and what your potential is unless you try things? Yeah. So, yeah.
1: And it's okay. You've had quite an adventurous life. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still going. <laughs> <laughs> and, in, and in that short time, like just when we were speaking before, you were telling me about some of the things that you've been through. Mm. And I guess what... Mm. You know, some people, they don't know when their confidence has been rocked, but yeah. it sort of comes out as their self-worth. Yeah. Like they don't feel good about themselves. So what are some of the things that you've been challenged by?
2: It definitely relationships. So, well, I, I was a dancer. I'm still a singer, but I've done dancing and singing since I was little. And I had this conversation, all my girlfriends, we all went to Newtown, the performing arts high school. So we're all creative people. We've all had, a lot of us have had some issues and, you know, fallen a lot and had bad relationships and and I think it's because for me dancing was an interesting thing so it was a great thing to do but also from a child I was taught to stand on a stage a I'm competing with my best friends whereas my partner who does footy that's about um, group sports and you know bonding with each other this was compete with your best friends so competition is not necessarily a healthy thing and stand on a stage and wait for three strangers to critique you So I think a lot of it was that external validation. So I think a lot of us girls – and girls have this a lot because we're judged more on our physical appearance than men are, no matter what anybody says. We know that's true. We've grown up with the magazines (laughs) and the Barbie dolls and we get it. So I think a lot of us wait for that external validation and use that as what our worth is rather than telling ourselves what our is. It's like a
1: permission slip, isn't it? It is, not it its not it? Yeah.
2: And I think – not, not everybody has that. So some people will be really confident from their teens and, you know, marry the love of their life in their 20s and be fine. For me, that's not what it looked like. For me, it was go through two really unhealthy, toxic relationships, but I wouldn't necessarily say I regret them because that's where I found Steph. And that's, you know, and it's still ongoing. You know, I'm in a healthy relationship now after having a period by myself where I really, you know, got that's on healthy. a good wavelength, but... <laughs> It's, it's a, it's a journey. So I'm still learning things all the time. And like self-love what I was talking about. It's, it's not, you do it once and you're good. You don't put petrol in your car once and it's good. It's, it's nonstop maintenance. So I, I read or heard somewhere that, um, so self-talk, I read, I heard that 95% of your mind chatter is repetitive. So if 95% of that is, oh crap, my legs have cellulite I have a stretch marks. That's a very negative thing that you're absorbing into your soul 95% mm. of the day.
1: It's a loud voice too. That
2: is. So for me, it's about uh, replacing that negativity with positivity. So I do affirmations are my favorite. So I, I what do- What some of your favorite? Give me some of uh, So I do all the Louise <laughs> Hay ones. You'll hear me quote <laughs> Louise Hay constantly. So I always start with, uh, "Today is a great day. Something magical will happen to me today. The most important one to me is I love and approve of myself exactly as I am. I'm open and receptive to all of the good and abundance in the universe. My new favorite one is I am at one with God and the universe. And I feel when I say these things, I swear to God, I am in touch with something. Birds will fly right up to me. People's dogs will run right up to me. And I'm like, I think I am in touch with something. (laughs) No, really. I think, um, like nature and all that—that's actually really important. When it's you vibe, feel, though, isn't it? Like yeah, it's a when vibe. Any, when you're
1: talking energy, there's a there's a real vibe. But it
2: is. And I was telling you how I do—I um, wake up really early and do two-hour walks mm. and watch the sunrise, and then I walk back. And I am smiling on my face, in my inside. And when I walk back after I've done, so I'll do the affirmations. I say them out loud as I'm walking because it's dark. No one can really see my mouth moving anyway. <laughs> when I walk back, I am glowing to the fact that to the point that people. Are staring at me it's, it's not that I look good I mean I don't have got no makeup on it's five in the morning but I think that there's something emanating and it's an energy and when you're on that wavelength people want to come near you yeah. so I was having a chat with you earlier about Louise Hay and she was in an abusive relationship and even though she said in no way was it my fault however how I treated myself dictated how others should treat me so she then became
1: Ooh, susceptible I guess
2: she was <laughs> She then became you know on the radar of abusive men. Mm. And she said, once i oh, abusive people it could be a boss, it could be a landlord, it could be anything. And she said, once she found herself and made her life healthy, she's not even on the radar of those men. And that's I've still got goosebumps. That's exactly I am no longer on the radar of abusive men or bad situations. So when I got out of those relationships, I had a good year on my own no dating. I was like, oh, forget this. Like it was, you know, the online thing. I was like, oh, I can't do it. It was. I just felt like I was hunting something that needed not be hunted. And I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. I know people who've met people online and had a great relationship, but I needed to be by myself. I needed to Mm. put love, you know, it's like a, like a bucket. Women are always pouring the water out, helping others. And if you're not refilling that you're on empty and I didn't want to run on empty anymore. And I was putting in time for myself and being in nature and I did so much myself that so oh, this was 2015. It was the best year of my life. So many great things happened for me career wise. I won ten thousand dollars in that Today Show competition because I was just on this mad like vibe of everything good was coming into my life. I I sing. I was telling you that. So I had to make a music video. I won that money on the Friday. My music video was scheduled for the Monday, and I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna pay for this. It was five grand for the video, uh, three and a half grand to promote it. I won ten grand. So wow. I was putting out there just gratitude, happiness, just a good vibe. And then July that year, I met the absolute love of my life. We're engaged, getting married next year because I stopped looking. Had mm. I hunted, I just kept sort of putting out, no, I don't want to say an air of desperation, but it was. I felt mm. maybe I was looking for something to fill a hole that I needed to fill. Once I got on that wavelength of, oh, I love Steph. She's, you know, she's awesome. My partner now was like, oh, what's, what's she selling? That, that, that's a yeah. good vibe. I want to be around that vibe. And he, you know, because he's confident in himself. Once he felt that vibe, he wanted to learn more about that vibe. So I think once you, I say this to young, I love when I get girls I work with in their 20s coming and talk to me. I'm always telling about Louise Hey, or the podcast I listen to. But once you're on that wavelength, people want to be around it. Yeah. It's a vibe.
1: It's an attraction, isn't it? Like yeah. A definite attraction. And so, how do you deal with those uh, negative people in your life? Like, because it's mm. very hard to, um, you know, because they do drain. Like, mm. it's like that energy gets sucked from you. So, how and I'm do I'm you... a
2: Cancerian, so I'm very emotional, very sensitive. <laughs> I'm Sicilian. My, my nature as a Sicilian. Is to get offended and then to retaliate. That's that's my instinct.
1: How's that working for you.
2: I try to quell it. So now I do the, put the phone down, deep breathe, go for mm. a walk, then let's do the plan of attack. So I have this very, very smart friend. She's a writer. She used to say 20 years ago, charm to disarm. Mm. What a great piece. The two best pieces of advice she gave me was silence is the best last word because, like, you know, Italians, again, have to have the last word, and charm to disarm. So... If you're throwing back, well, firstly, if someone's trying to pull you down, A, it's a reflection of them, not you, but B, you're probably doing something right. Mm. You, if people you're are challenging going, something. Anyone who's successful or doing something good are going to have the detractors and jealousy. And I think if you're doing something good, you, you know, if you've got people who are hating on you, you're probably doing something well. So don't take it too, too personally. Maybe take it as a compliment. But the charm to disarm thing really does work. And I'm Mm. not saying I can do it 100% of the time. Things hurt. Try and take a deep breath. But wishing them well or treating them well will shock them. So if you're showing them kindness or calling them out in it, you might not always be able to do that. So people with online trolls, I I know there's some famous people now will write back to them going, oh, that's really sad. Amy Schumer is so good at it. She's like... That's horrible. I feel like I want to give you a hug that you would even say that to someone. Like, and it and she said she's getting fewer and fewer trolls that she's like, I'm really worried. Are they okay? Where are they?
1: Compassion. <laughs> so it's that's compassion.
2: Compassion. Yeah,
1: having and compassion. For if those my people. mother said
2: to me the other day, she goes, You know what's really in now? Kindness. I said, It is my <laughs> It's so kind. It's so, it's like the buzzword. Mm. So charm to disarm is a great technique. Hard to do
1: when you come up with against those people that have got low confidence, you can tell straight away that it's something about them yeah. and they're normally trying to grab at your yeah. energy and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So what would, what would you say to your friend if mm. that's where that, that was where they I just at. found
2: the thing, there's a wonderful Louise Hay thing where she's, it's a really good, it's actually a technique so you can practice it. So if you can't talk to the person and you can't reason with them, because not everyone will reason. So if they're, they're a smart person, you show compassion and you, reason with them it can work but not everyone will there's a really good technique where if someone's done wrong by you um you picture them on a stage and you picture wonderful things happen i really get goosebumps thinking about it you picture wonderful things happening to them you pitch they might get teary and really emotional that actually helps you to remove the hatred and to feel happy for them so if you can really picture that then they walk off the stage and then you picture yourself walking on the stage and wonderful things happening to you so sometimes it could be an energy that you're putting out there too. So maybe they're feeling a bit of, you know, hatred Mm. back. So I think sometimes once you cut that anger or that hatred connection and then you show them compassion or it it is a charm to Mm. disarm. That's worked for me in a lot of situations. And even when I, have you know, I I picture good things happening to them and I say, I wish you well, I wish you away. Mm. So I, I don't necessarily want them in my life, but I don't, wish them ill will same with you know the two bad relationships i've had they've got a lot of good qualities too so i don't i don't wish them it was part of their journey Mm. and maybe i needed them in my journey too and they needed you maybe yeah Yeah. they totally they totally (laughs) (laughs) so i think it's 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 very it's obviously it's easier said than done but picturing good things happening to them i wish you well i wish you away that's always worked well for me
1: yeah but it does hurt does of course well. it hurts yeah. so how do, it hurts. how do we rebuild that confidence when we've been hurt or we've been knocked down oh so when it comes
2: for me when it comes to career I've, I'm re- I'm actually really good at allowing myself 24 hours to lick my wounds so when it's a personal thing so if it's a relationship ending that can be harder because emotions attached to it but I think when I have a lot of setbacks or things go wrong I allow myself 24 hours of like Ugly crying. I like to look at myself in the mirror when I cry. <laughs> I like to cry in the shower. I think it's really poetic when the tears go down with the water and the drain. Um, Cadbury chocolate, ice cream. Really, like really, like really it up, be really Bridget Jones, cry in my bed, eat heaps of chocolates. And then the next, I don't know, I just... I get out of bed the next day and I plan the next attack. So, you know, the the definition of insanity is repeating the same yeah. thing and expecting a different outcome. So if that didn't work for me, what can I change? So mm-hmm. it's really funny. I'm going to talk Louise Hay again. It sounds, I am not. <laughs> There's a girl crush going on. Girl <laughs> crush. Oh, She talks about, so giving yourself a pat on the back for the small win. So when she first did a talk, um, she didn't. She doesn't criticise herself. She'll give constructive feedback. So when she first did her first talk, she said, if I got off that stage and said, oh, my God, that was so bad, you were so embarrassing, she said, I would have been too frightened to go back on and do it again. And that's something that I do with singing too because, it, it can, yeah. you know, doing it, you know, the bigger the crowd or a new um, venue can make you make feel nervous. So if if you give yourself a pat on the back and go, that was a really good first attempt, now here's what we can tweak for the next time. And she said, and sure enough, you know, by the, the second or third time, that was a little bit better by the seventh time, you know, by the 10th time I was a pro. So give yourself credit where credit's due and it's okay to critique, but don't put yourself down.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess on that, we, um, we wanted to discuss how setting those goals mm-hmm. gives you, builds you that confidence too. doesn't matter how small yeah. they are. You well, want to I share a bit about that?
2: I don't do new year's resolutions. So ever since <laughs> I was in high school, I'll do a list every, at the beginning of every year, I'll do a list of short-term goals and a list of long-term goals. And, like big dramatic goals it's good to have big ones to reach towards but now I put them on like a little postcard and put them next to my bed and I think it was um that thing can grow rich Napoleon Hill and if you read them in the morning when you wake up and before bed it's really you know like a vision board if it's really like implanted in your brain it's easier to achieve so having the short-term goals and being really specific of the steps you can take you know and time frame of when you can achieve them by and then being able to tick them off through the year does make you feel like you're getting somewhere because if I don't have things written down I hate technology so I'm always the notebooks I'm a list girl yeah I'm a list list. (laughs) so having having those goals but um if you're stuck and you don't know how to do it, I'm getting really good at reaching out to people. So where you know, so with the blog, technology is my nemesis. So reaching out to, I've got you know, digital friends in the last company I worked for. How do I do this? And you know, so reaching out to people and asking for help.
1: Yeah, when fantastic. Now you've probably come um, up against some setbacks, though. Oh yeah. Right. So it's all about getting back on, or you know, um, getting back out there. What are some of the things that get you to do that after that 24 hours?
2: I think um, there's a, a book about it, Start, starting with why. So I think you've got to remind yourself why you started something in the first place. So as I said, I sing. So I like to look at some of my favourite artists and, you know, when they first start out, they have that real sparkle in their eye because it's so exciting for them. And then after a few years, they start to look a little bit jaded. They've, you know, had some trolls on the internet. They look like most of them have had a, you know, breakdown, substance abuse in between, and then they come back. So I like to watch um, my favourite artists in the beginning and where they weren't perfect and they'd Mm. make mistakes and have – Pitch era, but they just had so much passion in their eyes. So it reminds you, or I'll look back at, um, you know, my old journals, like the positive ones or, mm. you know, uh, old photos of me when I was singing as a teenager and just remind myself why I started something because I love it so much and because it brings me joy. Mm. But I think another good thing to do is to remind yourself Um, bring joy to yourself but bring joy to others so you might say you know me singing at this event might bring joy to someone or I remember a few years back when I first moved in with my partner I was had a lot of bills to pay and I got a second job I was working seven days a week I was so exhausted so I was working an office job and then at a gym in the city I would sleep everywhere every train ride every lunch break and I remember (laughs) I was so tired on the weekend and this um, like I was greeting the people coming into the pool and the gym and I, I used to start the day with I'm gonna really give my customers a really great experience today. And I'm like, I wasn't on commission or anything. And I was like, no, I'm going to make people leave with a smile today. And that really, that made my day, that made their day. People would remember my name, come in looking for me, because I just wanted to give them a very, great experience even if it was 10 minutes with me so i think you got to remember the thing that you started it might be helping someone it might be bringing joy coming here today i haven't done a podcast before i was a bit nervous but i thought i've had a lot of experiences that might be helpful to younger women who might be going through the Mm -hmm. same thing so if i'm telling you something that could benefit one person it's worth the nerves.
1: i wanted to touch on um undermining behaviors you pick this question out when I sent it through to you mm. about what that feels like what it looks like because sometimes especially in those relationships that you've had mm. you don't actually know if it's real or if it's and it sort of slowly eats away mm. uh, at that level of confidence that you are trying to build for yourself yeah um, what, what sort of experiences did you have with that that you want to mm. share
2: the important thing to remember is it's a reflection of them something is lacking in their life but without looking at them like a villain because you don't know their story you don't know what they grew up in some people probably had really um impossible to please parents making them feel like they had to compete or you know maybe they've had an abusive relationship so everyone's got their own journey and a Mm. lot of people have got hidden battles you know you might see someone who's super rich and think oh their life's perfect they could you know be getting cheated on or getting being hit at home we don't we don't know the story Mm. so trying to remove the judgment but we've you know in a personal way I have had two really negative relationships and one was a lot of you know mental abuse and even physical abuse but it's important to remember that it's not you and that they might be broken so but you can't always fix someone Mm. and I think a a lot of women like to do that I was always the girl that would always um you know pick up the injured animals my brother and I always (laughs) used to get the birds and nurse them and put them in little blankies and you know but you can't always do that with an adult so you can guide them in the right direction but it's not always your job so it's your and you can't fix someone when you are running on empty and if you're Mm. broken so it's not a selfish thing to step away, to leave, if you have to, and go fix yourself because you're probably going to benefit other people more by filling your tank and fixing yourself and mm. you know mending your broken parts, and then you can probably help people more. So, and there definitely
1: are those people out there that have got that, and they can hold the space for those people while they're, while they're yeah. filling themselves up. And, yeah, um, they're called counselors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
0: Except- Not I
1: have
2: this wonderful girlfriend who said, you know, Steph, when things have gone wrong in your life, I have never worried because you've always been aware of it. And I hunt solutions to my problems Mm. like my old Cocker Sparrow used to hunt schmackers in the draw. Like I will read everything, search everything, pay a lot of money to go. I've gone to hypnotherapists, which I found very helpful. There's no stigma going and seeking help. I mean, therapists have therapists. It's very... You know, and that's what I was saying, like the footy community will be like, Oh, that's a weakness to talk. Yeah, that's, you know. And a lot yeah. a lot of older generation or a lot of men might think, Oh, it's a weakness. It's it's you know, you'll take a car to get any service. I don't know why you wouldn't do that for your mental health. So I'll go and seek any solutions I can to fix what I think is broken. And and have top ups. So I might go and see someone, you know, I'm still in a good place, but maybe once a year I might go and have a top up just to talk some things out, you know, maybe some old things. You know, triggered and came back up, or
1: all right. So, tell to me about how you celebrate <coughs> your wins because I think this would be a great way to end uh, okay. this interview. No, no. I don't
2: know, what do I do? Champagne? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I'm very vocal about when you have a small win, but I think it's celebrating the small wins too and not just the huge yeah. things. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't even know how I, how I celebrate, but yeah, being vocal about it, I mean, celebrating mm. it with your loved ones, but. Um, yeah, just reminding yourself um, you've done what you've achieved. Yes, there's more to go, but you can celebrate the small little steps along the way. So you might have, you know, be far off where you want to be, but you know what I like to do? I only look back if I see how if I want to see how far yeah. I've come. So I think, you know, you'll have a few things go wrong, but uh, have you ever done that? Nothing's working. <laughs> Nothing's working in my life. I do that every now and then. Especially Depends on the, the month, the day, of the month. But um, when I look back and then I count like the last decade, and you think, yeah. oh my god! And I love that phrase of, um, think of the days you prayed for what you have now. And I remember, you know, I'll do a good um, Liz Gilbert who wrote Eat Love Pray whatever it is, crying on the bathroom floor. I used to cry on the bathroom floor all the time and pray for good things. And I literally, I can say now that. From 10 years ago, I've got nearly everything on my list that I prayed for. Still more to go. I want to, mm. you know, I don't want to say I'm done because then I might be
0: done in life. <laughs> you know, you
2: always have something to strive for. But, yeah, I only look back when I want to take stock and see how far I've come. So sometimes when you have having a low day, it's good to look back and, and maybe write down, mm. write down what you've achieved. So, again, it's the same with the affirmations. So reminding yourself. So just verbalizing um the wonderful things you have so gratitude's a great great mm, technique I for that gratitude. so I have the gratitude jar where I start at the oh, beginning of the yes. year and you'll write on a little post-it I remember I was emptying it once it was like an old boss goes what the hell are you doing like I'm emptying my gratitude jar I was on my desk and I had yellow post-its everywhere and like it could have been something random like it could be stupid little things yeah. like um but when you read them all at the end of the year like wow a lot of good things did happen. I think people take for granted and COVID was a great example of people realising how much they had once it was taken mm. away. So, yeah, being grateful for, for the things that have happened. You can you can still, you know, work towards what you want, but you got to daily. I'm daily grateful for the things that I've got, small things. So I'll wake up and say, I'm grateful for this warm, cosy bed, the beautiful <laughs> man next to me you know warm nutritious meal how many people living yeah. on the street that don't have the bed don't have the roof over the head don't have the meal so just be grateful for all the things perspective you have. and you Lots open yourself up to more good things coming once you verbalize in the universe the things that you do have mm. they're like she likes good things i'm going to send more good things to her she appreciates yeah. good things <laughs> okay
1: but um, you've you've achieved a great thing this year
2: i have. so i have been singing my whole life and i I did have a, a break for for eight years, and when I went back to it in my mid twenties, so I was very nervous to get back on stage and sing again because eight years is a long mm. gap. That I was so nervous when I went back. So, uh, so that was maybe ten years ago or something. So I've worked, you know, a long way. I do a lot of little local gigs, and I write and record my own music, and it's been a, a you know a slow build. But I do get nervous for you know big performances. But I wanted always wanted to push myself for something huge and i recently auditioned for the voice um it, it's a it's a huge thing to do there yeah. was about six thousand applicants got down to the final 100 and i mean this is months of auditions like going in coming back it, it, it actually dictates a lot more of your life than people <laughs> realize and um and i actually made it to the blinds this year which was amazing and went in and recorded it and um but didn't turn a chair and i did say to myself i was listening to the um brene brown Netflix thing where she was telling this wonderful story that makes me cry every time about her daughter who was going to do the swimming comp and she sucked it. I think it was breaststroke. She said, I will never win. And Brene said to her, You will never win. But maybe that's not what winning looks like to you. Maybe it's just getting wet. Maybe it's just jumping in the pool. And I kept, and I remember telling my mom saying, I, are you allowed to swear on this? Yeah, you right? can go if you like. I, I will shit myself when I get on that stage, <laughs> no doubt. And I mean, there's four celebrities in front of you, three cameras on you, couldn't find my mark on the stage. Like, and you think, like, it's terrifying. Yeah. Okay. And then, but I, I kept picturing this story and I thought, um, I just want to push myself. I've been scared my whole life of everything, always scared of something new. So bravery is not not feeling the nerves and not feeling the fear, it's doing it in spite of that. And, you know, it wasn't my very best pitch perfect performance, but I did it the voice came out. It sounded pretty strong and I was so proud of myself and I had a, a beautiful moment. I s- sang with Delta sitting in her chair and boy, George was so nice to me because <laughs> he terrifies me. And he had some great constructive feedback and, and, he, and he said to me, when you get home tonight, think what are you going to take away from this? And, my, and I went home and I was a bit low. You know, I had Macca's drive through on the way back because I'd been watching my weight and being healthy. Salt. Sleep <laughs> And then, I, um, and then my, I didn't cry once. My partner left for work the next morning. I sobbed into the pillow for about five minutes and that was the only time I cried after that just because mm. I'd worked so hard. I mean, you know, you worked for it for years, but for six months straight I had 90 seconds to prove myself. And, it you know, you do feel a bit deflated, but, man, do I feel proud of what I did. I if. I picture Steph I, 10 years ago, no way would she have stood on that stage or she would have cried or her knees would have shook or her voice would have shook. I did it and I felt very, very proud of myself. And if the only thing you take away is that you were brave and you pushed through your fear, hallelujah. So for me, it's a moment I'll always remember. So it wasn't the exact result I wanted, or was it? I wanted to be brave and I wanted to do that and I did it. So but would really it give proud. you now
1: the confidence to go off and do something a little bit bigger? Or go back? Yeah. yeah. So now
2: I keep thinking I want to go back to recording my original music because I've been doing covers, and I'm like, I really want to get back into it. It really did, Mm. you know. So I think those things are the make or break. It either makes you realize I'm done with it, or I and I am not done with it. You know, like there is still music in me. So and I will always sing for the rest of my life. But now I feel now I feel brave that I can do. You know, what's the worst thing that's going to happen? Because that was the biggest thing I've done and I got through it and I felt really good after it. So I'm not, you know, I can try anything new.
1: Mm. So so, um, I guess what we're looking at here is there are challenges that life is going to throw at you, like Mm. maybe your relationships or Mm -hmm. maybe your friendships or work, whatever. But you've also got that opportunity to challenge yourself and prove to yourself that you can actually do it. So that's a really good way to do it but you are certainly an inspiring little soul oh, okay. and you, <laughs> you've come in here like an energised budget and I just love it um, and you've filled up the whole room with your vibes so I really appreciate you coming in and sharing. But that's sharing. why these
2: podcasts are important, conversations yeah. are important because you don't know who's going to be listening to this,
1: Oh, we do, we know, we know, you know them all.
2: <laughs> and but someone might be contemplating doing something scary and my story might inspire them and, yeah. that, and I love listening to other people telling me brave stories like the, you know, Brene Brown's daughter. I was inspired by a goddamn 11-year-old doing swimming competition you know like that's really important to have these conversations because you might inspire someone to do something
1: well it's very similar to olympic athletes four years of training for one yeah, slap in the pool yeah, yeah. you know it's, it's big pressure the
2: pressure is on i was really confident going into it and it was the five minutes before because you didn't get a lot of notice you didn't know when who yeah. was next and i was and there's like Ten people around you doing your hair and your makeup, and I was like, I need five minutes to really compose <laughs> myself. So yeah, like the, it, it freaks you out that you've yeah. worked so hard and you have only ninety seconds. So because I'm used to doing four-hour sets yeah. when I sing, and the first song you're always rusty, but you're like, and I remember years ago my singing teacher said, "Oh, big gigs are way better than one performance because you know." By the time your third song, you're way into it. There's yeah. no nerves. You don't even see the, the crowd. Like third song. No. <laughs> well, plus I'm also used to pubs and clubs where everyone's drunk and everyone's yeah. having a great time. This was dead silence. And I, was like, I had a long dress and I was like, I am so falling on the stage on the trip on this dress. It's, it's like, it's big pressure. It, yeah. It's definitely big pressure. But they want that. That's It's good viewing. Yeah. You know, but it, it wasn't about that. It wasn't about the result. It was about you know testing myself, and and mm. I did it. So that's well that's a win.
1: Well, we can't wait to see it. No. Okay. So. <laughs> 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 All right. Well, until next time, yeah. uh, kindness first
0: Absolutely. to
1: yourself and to others, yeah. and um, and Why hopefully do we can have you back stay. on for another episode. I'd love
0: to. Thanks so much for having me.
1: That was the funnest interview and Steph later shared with me that she made it onto the promo cut where millions of people during prime time television saw her graciously and gratefully receiving the feedback that had inspired her to continue with music. She's also given me some of her totes tote bags to give away, so keep listening to find out how you can get one, as well as our Jar of Confidence, which is a limited edition candle. Again, What stands out for me in this interview is the communication style and language she uses, but not only towards herself, but towards others that she has a relationship with. The language she uses is positive and supportive. She has an attitude of acceptance that she is still learning and whatever arena she steps into, she can deal with. And when I listened back to this interview, I felt like she was talking to her younger self. And that's a strategy that allows the unknowingness in her youth and the disappointments from her experiences to sit comfortably in her present. This is where I want to come back to the strategy of knowing who's talking. When confidence is low, is it you talking to yourself? Is it true? Is it kind? Or are they the opinions of others whipping up like a storm inside your mind? I know that I can be triggered by the tiniest bit of sarcasm or wit, which is used both consciously and unconsciously as a personal swipe. It feels like a bee sting, and with or without intention, it can plant the seeds of doubt about what you believe, who you think you are, your relationship, or how you even think the world sees you. So my one piece of advice to my younger self is that confidence is that inside job. It's built on communication and consistency, which is ultimately your responsibility. There are always choices. You see, I know that in my own passive communication style, That was a reflection of my lack of confidence to object, which is actually an assertive communication style. And it was definitely out of fear of being perceived as aggressive or not being liked. You know, I was a classic people pleaser, not wanting to feel the pain of rejection. So this is me doing this to myself, limiting my beliefs, self-sabotaging, and in the end, creating more pain for myself. And I can control it. I can stop that. And I can change it. And it's that healthy respect for yourself with those boundaries, which is actually the topic for our second episode in this series that helps you discern and make decisions with ease. You see, rejection is possibly the biggest issue surrounding confidence. We don't really know how to deliver it or deal with it. So we tend to dance around it and avoid it altogether. Sometimes it's personal and other times there is this unknown agenda. But what I found is that more than often there's this fear or a belief around it that us, or the other person is not going to be able to cope. Now, the relevance of rejection to confidence is simple, and that is that confident people are sometimes cut down. Being too much, a shining light that blinds others, and that little quip they make about your flaws or your failures or the sarcasm about your success is actually about them, not you. Jealousy and comparison can show up as rejection. And this is enough for you to want to dim your light, to filter your shine and to blow out your flame altogether so the other person doesn't feel bad. But know that your confidence and the belief in yourself is this invisible, intangible inspiration that empowers others. So strategy number one is to know who's talking because if you can identify this in a simple strategy, it helps you verify the information that's coming in. And whilst it may have been a comment from someone else, consider if it is true and kind. Look at the ratios of wins to losses. And let me tell you, there is always a win and the loss was probably in your best interests. Self-talk is definitely influenced by others, but I'd encourage you to learn how to kindly call out passive-aggressive comments. It takes courage and confidence to know how to deliver this, but we teach people how to treat us by allowing, enabling and objecting to what we will and won't tolerate. Now, this may see the ugly head of rejection pop up, but you are fighting for something bigger, your self-worth. You see, feeling and being confident is different to projecting and looking confident. We can look but not feel, and we can be but not project. And often one denigrating comment can burst the bubble of self-belief in the strongest of people. Because on that day, they are working so hard to sustain a level of confidence. They naturally express that it explodes into this tasty crumb of doubt that justifies our values. And we all know these comments say more about the other person than you. So in that moment that where you could whip up your wicked words into a hurricane of personal pain, be that person who is kind. Thank them for their opinion, knowing that's exactly what it is, an opinion. Discerning this style of communication will definitely help you shut down conversations that create and fuel doubt. Now, another conversation that flattens confidence are those one-up-up conversations. You know the ones where you're sharing your pain or exciting news and it's quickly overshadowed by the other person's much more dramatic trauma or win. It's like a competition. Now, I love a good story and conversations naturally trigger memories of similar experiences as our brain, you know, works really, really hard to rationalize what the other person is telling us. Yet these conversations are exhausting and draining. And if not kept in check, it used to leave me second guessing with a lot of doubts about myself and my experiences. Now, it's probably easier to let these conversations wash over us, let it go and absorb the disappointment of not receiving that validation or reassurance that we were unconsciously seeking. Now, if this sounds familiar, hang in there a minute. I'm going to share with you one of the strategies that will help you sustain your confidence regardless of the conversation. But finally, I think we need to understand the impact of verbal abuse on our confidence, the scathing comments that stab through the heart of who you are. You know, that's the one thing that all victims of abuse report is a loss of confidence. It's a whole new level that involves gaslighting, intimidation and threats. They are soul-destroying statements about you and they affect what choices you make and instill fear. So I would urge you to engage in activities and services that provide a really safe space for you to build your confidence step-by-step, element-by-element and distance yourself from the source of pain. You know, I know we all appreciate encouraging feedback and constructive criticism. And we perform better if we are appreciated. But relying on that validation from others will soon see the well of reassurance dry up. And so today's mantra is hashtag feelings are not facts. You don't have to feel confident to be confident, but we feel most confident when we know what we are doing. So the next strategy is to invest in yourself. And I would encourage you to invest in what skills and knowledge you need. And let that be your cheer squad that reminds you of what you're capable of. It's not only an act of self care, but really highlights valuing who you are. And to do that, it's easy. Create a list of what you have achieved. And as Stephanie said, only look back to see how far you've come. Now, if I was on radio, this is where I would break to the Matchbox 20 hit. Let's see how far we've come. You see, that song is all about, even though it feels like the world is burning to the ground, we are making progress. And sometimes things need to fall apart so that we can put them back together stronger. Both Stephanie and Karamea touch on this in the interview. It's where they're able to go back and map out their achievements, look at what they did to cope and deal with a difficult situation, and finally, what they learned as a result of those losses. I know my weaknesses have become the opportunities to learn something new. So in summary, I want to say We need to keep working on building your confidence every day by doing something new that challenges your skills, knowledge, and ability. You know, create that timeline of achievements and reflect on just how far you've come. Stop comparing yourself in a competition that doesn't exist and prioritize self-care. Finally, check in on who's talking. You know, genuine confidence in oneself is the belief that you are valuable, that you are worthy, and you are capable. Hashtag regardless. It is standing tall, speaking up and feeling free to express yourself, sharing the knowledge that you have and your point of view and knowing that you can handle the feedback, any opposing opinions and the criticism. There are real fears how confidence is interpreted and it's definitely gendered. As I said at the beginning, my confident assertiveness has often been called belligerent and intimidating and for others it's interpreted as too big for your boots Or even as good leadership. The tall poppy thing is real. It's about comparisons and jealousy. It's about admiring them for achieving, but slamming them for the very same bravery, courage, and strength they have shown. Just here, I want you to imagine me playing Demi Lovato's song, Confident. And if you haven't heard it, do yourself a favour and listen. I'm not sure if it's the loud beat of the drum or the sassy little attitude that she has, but she asks the right question, and that is what's wrong with being confident? This song leaves me feeling bulletproof. Emotionally, of course, not physically. Now I know from the pain, frustration and stress with fibromyalgia, toxic workplaces and the betrayal of those closest to me have invariably knocked my confidence around. And I think wherever there is physical, emotional or psychological pain, sensitivity is heightened. My self-talk was definitely more negative and I felt the fall in my confidence that would cause me to withdraw, dim my light, And there was definitely a domino effect on the people around me. I want to leave you with this quote, knowing that the next episode to drop in a week's time is all about boundaries, how to create them, use them, and sustain them in a way that protects your own self-worth. Shannon Alder says, every woman that finally figured out her worth has picked up her suitcase of pride and boarded a flight to freedom, which landed in the Valley of Change. Now what this quote reminds me of is that we are confident when we know our ability and our capacity, but the fears around our potential can actually hold us back. Who are we if we change? If things change? Will you cope? I hope this conversation has made you a little uncomfortable, inspired you to create a challenge for yourself, and helped you identify your communication style and the type of language that you use and that others use towards you. If so, then I've done my job. If not, I hope I've got you thinking about setting goals and creating opportunities outside your comfort zone and know that when you go after them, you are being brave and building confidence. And we'd love to hear about that. If you've got an experience in which you found a strength that you never knew you had, I'd love to read it. These little pods of inspiration about rebuilding your confidence is often the roadmap for someone else facing a difficult situation. Now, my interview with Karamea was very special and I thank her for trusting me to share her story. She is such an open-hearted, generous and kind person. I admire her for her strength and confidence in knowing who she is, what she stands for and her positive attitude. I've wanted to help her share her story as not only does it bring the information and educates others about her illness, but it really does bring hope and inspires those who might be experiencing this type of crisis. It's the story about creating the daily actions and being really, really accepting of the present. She's my Wonder Woman, and you can follow her on Facebook. And Stephanie has gone from strength to strength this year, taking big strides and eating challenges for breakfast. I look forward to seeing what the world has in store for her and encourage you to follow her on Instagram, the Barefoot Blogger, as she brings to life her ideas and innovations that is making the world a much better place. As part of this podcast promotion, I have some of Stephanie's environmental products to give away. So if you have liked what you've heard, please rate the podcast, leave a comment about your biggest takeaway and we'll be in touch. Now you can follow the Elements of Empowerment on Instagram or head over to pipray.com and download the confidence inspired playlist from the hour to empower. I also have a limited edition jar of confidence. Now it's a soy wax candle with a very specific scent designed to empower you through the power of smell. To read more about the impact of our olfactory system on our mood, memories, and mind, head over to my blog. It is not only fascinating, but one of the five senses that can have a huge influence on what we think, feel, and do. As you'll come to know, there is always going to be a bonus. And I have a confidence building meditation by Nicole Dargie, who is a yoga and empowerment coach and is also the host of the Empowerment Project podcast. You can access this by subscribing to the Shy Pod channel on Podbean. In the upcoming episodes, I'll be having conversations with my guests around strength, creativity, control, honesty, optimism, adventure, accountability, forgiveness, and focus. So if you think that someone you know would like this podcast, please share it. I've teamed up with some very creative people and have some exciting products and services to tell you about. And I'm really looking forward to sharing these stories that show the benefits of being human. So check out the list of upcoming episodes as these are just some of the elements of empowerment that when pieced together, create the nucleus of who you are. And I've put a summary of the confidence building strategies and references that we've spoken about in the blog. And you'll find links to my guests in the show notes. So until next time, stay kind. Be the change you want to see in the world. Be generous with your thoughts and do what's right for you.